Hey everyone, welcome back to another rousing episode of Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the Box? Blood, guts, classic 80s, 90s slasher action in this 2020 novel by Adam Cesare. I said, I said that correct, right? You yes. did, you did. Getting names right today. So, Clown in a Cornfield. 2020 novel by Adam Cesare. I'm going to say it again because I said it right the first time. I'm very proud of myself. But uh, yeah, so this is um, essentially a throwback to the classic 80s and 90s movie slashers of the day uh, published by Harper Teen. Um, And traditionally, they've never really like published like YA novels quite like this before, but super happy that that they did. Um, the whole novel centers around um, a high school age girl named Quinn Maybrook. Um, her and her father, Doc- Dr. Glenn, um, they recently moved to this as you, as a lot of people who live in cities might say, as uh, bumfuck middle of nowhere town in the Midwest. Yeah. East <laughs> bumfuck nowhere. Yeah. That's where I grew up. <laughs> right. That's just kind of surrounded by cornfields, uh, hence part of the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they- In of, Missouri. In right. Missouri. Missouri. Yes. Uh, the town's name is called- kettle springs which immediately makes me think of the of the kettle chip brand and now i still really want kettle chips or i fucking love that brand of chips but has nothing to do with this Uh, (laughs) but but yeah so they um her and her dad moved there uh her mom uh died tragically um so they're Uh, kind of like opioid Overdose. Oh, but yeah, overdose died in the uh, yeah, sc- fucking school bleachers. Yeah, spoilers, yeah. by the way. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> just talk about it. Like, we don't care if you've actually read it or not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, point, you- by the time you come to this podcast, you know. Yes, we are always full of spoilers because we want you to read. Read the shit. Read yeah, it. read um, it before. But yeah, but I mean, you 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 find out her mom died really early on, like in the very first few pages of the first chapter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, crap, you know, she... You know, they they don't outright say she overdosed on opioids, but they do actually. He does. She does say. Oh, like later on. I thought later in the book. Yeah, she OD in the they talked about how she had um, some pain and accident of some kind. And so they had prescribed painkillers for her and um, got addicted to those. Yeah. Yeah, in the beginning of the book, though, they just say like, "Yeah, she slumped." Yeah, down you don't really down. find out till later what what actually, actually you know, happened yeah. to her. But yeah. But anyways, really traumatic public event at Quinn's high school, no less, in their um, old old town. So her dad got a job as a doctor in this little town took over the practice of the previous guy even bought his old house from from him which came with old musty furniture which is Mm -hmm. fine so they moved to kettle springs to try to get away from everything where you know no nobody would kind you know would know who quinn was or Mm -hmm. or their past and and they lived in philadelphia no yeah yeah, yeah, which major, major I believe the author is from Philly. So it's from Philly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Next time I go to Philly, I really, I really need another cheesesteak. Yeah. Just as a side note, yes, so good. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we get a little <laughs> prologue with some of the characters where one of them, there's obviously a YouTuber. They put up videos, like stunt videos, like prank videos, stuff like that. Um, and a girl dies jumping off uh, some stacks at this uh, water reservoir that they go swimming in that they weren't really supposed to be swimming in. And there's an accident. She dies. We get that as the prologue. And then Quinn arrives in town and we see some of these characters again. And it's like a year later. 
a year or two later, I think. Um, yeah. Somewhere in there. He does say the specific date, but it's it's grasping. It, it, they do say the specific, whether it was one or two years, or but it wasn't that long ago. Um, no, it's like just long enough to where the town is like starting to kind of get over this whole accident, but it's no. just kind of the tip on the iceberg for kind of this like i don't know how like what's what's the word for it this it's not it's not a cultural war more like a generational a generational war, war yeah. yeah i mean one of it's like much of this book there's not so subtle references to the current political climate <laughs> so very early on you get this yeah. whole thing they get of, into town and there's a, a sticker with a uh, blue line on it the black ones with the blue line you know the blue lives matter sticker make kettle springs great again um <laughs> you know i mean it's not yeah, it's not subtle, as yeah. you said. Yeah, I mean, and this is, you know, like Midwest town. Um, like we already established, there's just lots of corn cornfields. Like the town as a whole, like it once was booming and prosperous. Yeah. Um, they had a corn syrup factory, uh, yes. Bay Pen, and they made corn syrup. That's why, hence all the cornfields. Yeah, um, they have received the cornfields and they made corn syrup and distributed it all over the place and and all of this stuff but that's, so that's what the, but that closed yeah. um yeah that closed so yeah so this is yeah our setting for all of these characters quinn her dad um everybody in the prologue just gonna throw out a bunch of names janet cole tucker etc etc um and what we ended up getting was an extremely well written and really fun modern take on the classic. So you classic. liked it. I mean, because keep in mind, guys, we don't yeah. talk about this beforehand. So we have no idea what the other thinks of it until we start talking. So yeah. I had no idea if she actually liked it or not. Until Dude, she... I fucking loved it. I did like it a lot myself. Oh, I did. It um, was, I felt like it eschewed a lot. Of stereotypes especially mm -hmm. with the main characters um mm -hmm. like quinn in particular and yeah, yeah it just and i, I think mean that's she what was so much fun i yeah. mean it, it's it's i mean if you watch slasher things which we do i mean we both re, are re, very re, familiar re. Um, with slashers you know you saw us answering slasher questions i mean i'm staring at joanna's jason picture here in the back and i've got pennywise over here and and so we're very familiar so if you know the genre i feel like for me it was it was familiar it's like putting on an old sweatshirt you're like yes I know this, the teenagers, the, the, the old people who don't listen, the terror, the gore, like, I know this, like this, this feels familiar. And I know that Adam Cesari is very into, he has his own YouTube channel, the author. So he is obviously very big a fan of the genre. And I think that shows, I always think that if you're a fan of something and you're going to make something of that genre, a movie, a book, a graphic novel, whatever, you have to kind of love it um yeah and know it and and know what you're getting into and i think i think he really does so there were tropes but he made some cool twists on it and and stuff like that that still made it feel like fresh you know slasher yeah. people are always wanting more we're like romance novel readers in that way you know yes we always want more more slashers <laughs> more this and we want it to yeah. feel new and exciting and and i really felt like this um, you know, the relationships and everything like that, they felt familiar, but new at the same time and, and everything. So absolutely. And like, I felt like the whole reason, like why all the teens were getting murdered, it was, it, it was much stronger than your traditional slasher, which just generally just kind of has a like, oh, mysterious entity or like can't die jason or freddy krueger lives in your dreams like like that sort sort of thing um this very just kind of loose like ominous killer but 
in Clown in a Cornfield, it started off as ominous, but as you mm-hmm. go on, like there is a clear reason why this is happening. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's somebody in the town that's trying to organize this, and all the adults are in on it. Uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> and big, they're try- Yeah, you know, that's the big spoiler is what it turns out is the clown in a cornfield are actually clowns in a cornfield. Yeah. Um, there's there's more than one. So so the whole purpose is the adults got together, decided that the teenagers were uh, just too far gone. They had to, they had to get, you know, wipe, wipe the town clean um, from all their disrespectfulness uh, due to movies and internets and the YouTubes. You know, they're too liberal. They're That's too liberal. They got all these ideas. <laughs> they got all these ideas in their head and, and whatever. And so the adults decide that they're going to take out the teenagers, like this group of adults in town. Um, kind of at first, um, you find out, like, we're going to go to the end because so that we can go back and kind of talk about the relationships inherent in all this. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cole Hill, um, the quarterback, kind of most popular, cool guy at school that Quinn meets, his sister, Victoria, was the one who died of an accident at the reservoir. And his father, Arthur, was the owner of the Bay Pen corn syrup thing. He was basically keeping the town running. Um, and when Victoria died, Arthur blamed Cole. Like, apparently he has no concept of an accident. I mean, apparently. I mean, especially when he yeah. got it on video. Like, it was, the whole thing was on video and on YouTube. So you could clearly see she was up there, you know. <laughs> Nobody was you know but do anything about it but cole should have done something he should have stopped his sister yeah or something yeah you know but um anyway so the father blames her decides cole should die but then the sheriff you know kind of convinces him well no it's like this whole epidemic we gotta kill all of them and then they start getting some of the other adults in on it so then when the students go partying in the cornfield uh they just start whacking them <laughs> just left and right with arrows and chainsaws and fire and all sorts of stuff um for a while i didn't expect that much blood but i mean i was pleasantly surprised but um you know i thought it would have backed off a little bit but you had beheadings and throat shots and guttings and all sorts of stuff all the good slasher stuff all the good like, slasher stuff like stuff you expect from a slasher not yeah one of my favorite bits, one of my favorite bits of gore was, well, and we'll talk about the characters before. We're just kind of talking about the setup so that when we come back to it, you can kind of understand when we're talking about the characters. Um, was Janet, when she got beheaded, she like her body actually like tripped over her own head. And then <laughs> that was like one of my favorite bits. Yes. I'm like, oh God, I'm like, that's awesome. It's not an awesome, like just little moments like that in this book, little bits of just dark, twisted humor Mm -hmm. I just kind of set my book down and I just I I was just cracking up because I I the visual of that in my head was just so um vivid yeah and yeah I I I lost it that was like that was one of my favorite bits of the core I was like oh god that's awesome that's funny I Um, think I think for me that slasher like murder probably tops the sleeping bag kill no Friday the 13th franchise yeah it's like iconic that's it is it is iconic but tripping over your own head (laughs) after you've been beheaded that is a certain kind of funny yeah so (laughs) for sure indeed yeah Okay, so um, let's get into some of these relationships now. Um, let's start with Quinn and her dad. Um, I, I think they had a, a really good relationship, yeah. personally. I mean, Quinn seemed to really care about her dad. Um, you know, she didn't bitch about moving because she knew, you know, her dad. You know what I mean? She wanted her dad to be happy. And so, yeah, she didn't really want to move from Philly um, you know, and she had friends there who she mentions a couple times. Um, but you know, she was she was kind of taking it for the sake of her dad because she knew that her father um really needed to to get away. 
Um, yeah. and, and you read that he was an ER doctor in Philly, uh, gunshot wounds, all this other stuff. And that's not, uh, that's not, that's not easy. And then having his wife die and, and everything, you know, you can understand why he would like a small town practitioner. Uh, it would appeal I guess to move. Yeah. Like know? an emotional reset. Yeah. Basically, and- even though you can't reset all of that trauma, especially, you know, when your wife ODs <laughs> in the school bleachers at your daughter's school, you know, it's just, it, it's nice that we have set that Quinn is so, kind of wise beyond her years especially like her emotional intelligence is very very high so she Mm -hmm. so she just kind of she gets it but just immediately the way that the relationship is portrayed when they're moving into their new house it just it felt really easy it they automatically it just felt like they were really close yeah you know um and that's good to see so many in these slashers like the kids have horrible relationships with their parents i think this is one of the little twists you know the parents infantilize their kids nothing's wrong you know and they know there's a slasher going on you know just look at uh friday the 13th and um you know with the adults there and then look at like nightmare on elm street um you know and the parents covering up for you know so it was really nice to see. I think it was a little bit of a turn um, that uh, Quinn and Dr. Maybrook have a good relationship. Um, she seemed to really, yeah. truly care about her dad, want him to be happy. Um, you and know, by, and and vice versa, too. Yeah, and then like. she sees his awkward stuff. But, you know, she kind of, oh, that's just my dad. You know, that's just what he does, you know. And and she kind of finds that stuff adorable more than, like, annoying. At least I got that impression. Absolutely. You they're know, um, they're like a teenager being like, oh, God, dad. You know, yeah. like, she didn't really do that. Like, she had a moment when she was talking to Janet in that group and she was afraid her dad would come over with the food and, like, embarrass her. But yeah. then she saw her and was just like, oh, cool, you're making friends you know and stuff yeah like that. and then consequently as you were saying like and he cares about her too you know when she had gone to the party and he knew about it and she he was worried but he was like no i can't stop my daughter from making friends like i can't yeah. you know stop her from doing that and everything so i thought that that was really a cool kind of a little turn on the normal type of parent-child relationships we see in slashers. Yeah, it felt really healthy. And it was so nice, again, to to your point of like Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street, it was really nice to have a parent treat their kid, you know, with with respect. Yeah, basically. And even, like, you know, with like one that I also felt that this book, a screen same thing people listening to sydney and all that and yeah you know it's just you know yeah quinn quinn and her dad their relationship reminded me a lot of um christina ricci's character and the guy who played her dad in casper oh yeah wasn't that bill pullman was it? I don't I think I it don't, was Bill Pullman. Bill who Pullman. Okay. Dad, but yeah. They did have a really sweet relationship. They too. did. Yeah. And um, the mom I was. see the similarities. Yeah. Yeah. The mom was also out of the picture as well. And, and of course, you know, like her, her character was like, uh, we're moving around again. But at the end of the day, she was always there, you know, for her dad, taking care and, of them and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and vice versa. It was they were a great team and that's what Quinn and her dad, Glenn are. They're a really great team together. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's great. You don't really, and like the classic slashers (laughs) parents were not teammates with their kids. You know, you can still have the clear, like delineage of like parent and child, but you don't need to be like that dictator parent or the mm-hmm. helicopter parent, you know. Um, but I think what Cesari did with these two characters really speaks to like the modern climate of I think how parenting has also or is is also changing. 
Um, and I, um, I'm not a parent myself, but a lot of it, um, I like see as a teacher too, you know, like back when we, we were growing up, uh, it was very much like the teacher is always right. The teacher has, has the last word. If you don't do this, then like you are totally screwed. And it was just kind of like this, this fear factor. And I've always felt like that's how parental child relationships were too. And that was especially true for me growing up in the nineties, but mm-hmm. this feels like a totally different approach to parenting to reflect kind of the modern change of it. So again, yeah. nice, nice twists on the yeah. classic slasher. Speaking of teachers, let's talk about Mr. Vern for a second. The science teacher, like yeah. Dick. I mean, <laughs> like, oh God, you know, and the thing is, is I used to be a teacher too. You're a teacher don't we kind of know teachers like like let's be real that's you don't have to name names but like don't you kind of know teachers who you actually suspect just hate children like just hate kids yeah like no matter what they do like even if they were doing nothing like like yeah I still Thing, thankfully, I don't think it's so much at the school that that I work at, but yeah, there are unfortunately still teachers like Mr. Vern around today. Yeah, just completely yeah. nonsense. Like, really, this girl has been in there two seconds. All she did was laugh, and you're gonna send her to end school suspension? Like, yeah, what the hell? You don't even know her name, really. Like, I mean, what the? That's so messed up. You know, yeah. or even if we had teachers like that, um, you know, when we were in school, you know, like just, you know, like it's all about like the power trip. It's not about like being fair or like what's going to be best for the kid or like whatever. Or if the kid's actually right. As a matter of fact, if the kid is probably right about what they're saying, it just pisses them off even more. You know, yeah, these are the kind of adults that like need right. to simmer down, right? And so it was probably the least surprising of the book is he was the first one that got like revealed as one of the clowns. And at first, oh, yeah, thought he was like the only clown, and it made total sense. I'm like, of course, he was, he hated yeah. all those kids, like, of course, he's just like offing them and everything. So that made that was like the least surprising. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, it's that guy Mm. you know like but also a good like writing mechanism to you know reveal like reveal the most obvious like clown murderer first and then get into everything else and then you're like all the other adults yeah Yeah. (laughs) for sure so do we want to talk about the little or like the rest of the adults um we want to talk about the the friends or um let's talk about a couple you know trudy was the waitress let's you know she you know she was one of them too got her hand blown off and and everything and that kind of made sense i'm like oh yeah she was kind of like resentful of like the other kids when she saw him go by and all that stuff and everything um and then janet's stepdad was one of them which Mm -hmm. you know janet janet got offed so like that was kind of like holy shit your own kid your own step kid like even that doesn't save you you know and then of course arthur hill cole's dad um and the mayor was not a part of it he got offed he was the first death um the mayor because he was just like trying to keep a hold of things or whatever um and then they just they offed him because he was being a problem i guess and then, of course, Cole's dad, Arthur, was the mastermind. Yeah, the mastermind. All. Yeah. 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 I mentioned his name, but he was the one who kind of started it. And at first, like we said before, he wanted to, like, just get at Cole, um, you know, and but then it kind of expanded and everything, um, you know. And it, so, yeah. So let's talk about the main, like, the sheriff. Um, <laughs> I, oh, wow. Um, you, you have thoughts. Go. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like he was, he, and I think he was meant to be, he was meant to be the worst one. And I think that was intentional. We got this impression of what kind of hold like persuasive power 
he had in the town at the meeting, you know, like the mayor was only getting deference because, you know, the sheriff allowed him to do so, um, et cetera, you know, and all this stuff, you know, and, you know, and and so, uh, you know, I got the impression that it was all like his idea to expand it all, you know, when Arthur talked to him and stuff. You know, we don't really get a lot about how, like, the details worked out. You know, I imagine maybe Arthur started talking to the sheriff or they mm-hmm. had some sort of grief discussion, like, you know, kind of consolation. And then, you know, Arthur spilled his feelings about blaming his son and George Dunn saw the opportunity. That's yeah. my guess. You don't really get that specific, but that, but that is kind of how I envision it working. Like Arthur Hill, you know, he kind of shut everything down, closed everything up you know, at the factory. And then, you know, the sheriff goes up there, starts talking to him, you know, condolences and whatnot. And then Arthur yeah. starts talking about how he blames Cole. And the sheriff's just like, oh yeah, I totally agree with you. What about all these other, you know, like basically yeah. he's, he's the egging, you know, the egging yeah. on. And then they start from there getting all these other people who kind of feel the same. Yeah. One, because it's totally the kid's fault that the factory shut down. It's not, right. you know, oh, the other adults in the world or. Although he did burn it. Remember that fact? Oh, yeah. did burn. <clears throat> but he, he did say money. <laughs> it was already closed down. Is what yeah. he said. So the fire wasn't what closed it down. He said when the fire started, Cole at one point says that uh, the the thing was already closed down when the fire. Yeah. When when he he set the fire or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I'm if he's still sure, paying yeah. insurance on it, again, I don't. This is spec yeah, speculation, but um, you can still get money for a property that you still owned. And I'm assuming he still owns a factory. But anyways, right. um, but yeah, so they if were even getting rid of. I mean, and this group was like so hell bent that they were getting rid of the adults who were in their way. Like that's how the doctor mm-hmm. got, you know, and, and they do kind of feed it a little bit in the book of, wow, it's weird that he just left so fast and took like nothing with him. Wow, that's really odd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then Trying you find to- out that they killed the doctor because the doctor kind of found out what they were up to, you know, and they want to it, and then they killed the mayor when he got in the way too so mm-hmm. they were all about uh killing the adults who got in the way too and then yeah and i'm and you know if you're if you're gonna start this kind of like mass calling of your town's youth of course the sheriff has to be in on it right because they're they're the ones that are gonna investigate and i mean if we know anything you know us true crime junkies us murderinos you know Mm -hmm. like there's been so many different kinds of law enforcement like cover-ups in the history of law enforcement around the world for sure you know just they fuck up and they don't want anybody to know they screw up so they come you know corruption or just plain incompetence one or the other you know so but, you know, in this case, we got, you know, the corruption, you know, kind of the ringleader is the sheriff, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. So, I mean, the adults just, you know, like when you care more about it's like, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> Cesare is not uh, shy about liking it to like the whole boomer generation and the whole, you know, all that and Trumpism, Trumpism, you know, and like stuff. yeah, of you know, you y- you have some semblance of power, or you feel like you're entitled to a certain amount of respect, mm-hmm. or whatever, and and that just you know, in this case, you just get it exploded to like fatal fatal proportions, you know, that that they're like the adults entitlement to what they feel is like they deserve respect, quote unquote, you know, yeah. respect, quote unquote, their knowledge, quote unquote, like this is all stuff they're entitled to. And so when they don't feel like they get what they're entitled to, this is this is what happens, um, you know, on a on a you know, on an extreme level. You know, it's kind of taking that and magnifying it, which is what a lot of fiction does, you know, take kind of one little concept and, you know, the idea, you know, and losing power. That's another part of it. You know, these kids um, and it kind of does mention it in the book, too. 
um, you know, it's more of like, you know, the entitlement of, you know, the, the older generations. But at one point, um, one of the characters, I think it was Janet talking to Cole saying, you know, you once said that we were going to be running this town, you know, and stuff like that. So there is that acknowledgement of like, of like, you have to, to let go sometimes, you know, and we see that in our government too, if I can get on, a, you know, how, uh, the senators who've been there like 50, yeah. 60 effing years and they could like retire and they, you know, just holding on just like these shriveled nubs of hands holding on to any semblance of power or authority or whatever instead of like letting the circle of life continue and and like teaching the younger generation and letting them take over and letting new ideas and new thought processes and new of this and that and the other thing come through you know so they don't like obviously these people when you're talking about relationships you know just relationships to the future with these adults is just non-existent they don't have any relationship with the younger kids even their own even their own children you know i mean like you know and we don't know but i suspect um you know that arthur hill like he doesn't really care that victoria died it was this just this idea you know because what parent would you know and and we do read sometimes this that parents Mm -hmm. like favoring one child over another you know and stuff like that but he kind of made it up like you know victoria you know she was everything and this that and the other thing and all that stuff but i suspect it's not really that like it kind of i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he just wasn't really there at all or whatever and i mean he had it out for cole too and when you are the quarterback of a small town like kettle springs you are like the shit yeah and yeah. he's described as that throughout the book. Like yeah. everyone pays attention to him when he walks down the hallway. Yeah. Know, and everything. And he's got, you know, his his group and everything and stuff like that. So for sure, you know, so the adults here, I mean, obviously no healthy relationships there with themselves no. or the future or the kids of the town or anything like that. Just gross. again that's the classic slasher part but it's very much i mean in no subtle terms does this entire book like put our political con context from a youth perspective Mm -hmm. in middle america and it's i find more effective that it's a YA novel and it's focused on teens instead of like 18 and older because i mean these kids aren't a voting age right and they literally at like right now they have no power to do any change not to mention they're stuck in the middle of nowhere their resources are scarce there's um they constantly talk about like uh, it's hard to get a signal on their cell phone. You know, Wi-Fi isn't that 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 great either. Y- yeah, you know, which makes so, sense because yeah. this town, like, is how we were just describing. Like, none of the adults would want to update and bring Wi-Fi out there and like have better signals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes total sense too that not only do they not have it, but like the adults wouldn't care like that they weren't able to get signals and shit, you know? No, like specifically these adults. I mean, they're so stuck in trying to maintain the status quo of their lives, which mm-hmm. have, which it's completely passed. I mean, I think it probably, I mean, I'm speculating, but I'm pretty sure like, the uh the factory closing was the final nail in the coffin on the town Mm -hmm. and that signaled like okay you know our current world has left these towns behind and it's either you figure out a way to adapt and modernize to stay alive which is very much like the tenets of america of cap capitalism to have that opportunity to kind of pivot and everything else but there's two things work like working against them they're stuck in the middle of nowhere they don't have the tech to do that and 
the mentalities of the adults are like, oh, it's, it's the newer generation that is screwing everything over. If we can just get rid of them, everything can return back to normal, which mm-hmm. is completely ludicrous, completely yeah, exactly. like mis- misplaced blame, scape- scapegoating, mm-hmm. ex- et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, for sure. And I think this this book does a really great job at at capturing that fear that that these kids have around, yeah. you know, and even like my generation and younger, like especially like people who are around my my age, like early, I would say like late twenties to like late late thirties, maybe even like forties too, just having to deal with you know multiple recessions student loan crisis housing crisis like just how much we have gone through in our lives and we can't it's so hard for us to get a financial footing but then when we think about the the older characters in our lives that are like sheriff george dunn and arthur hill and mr verne you know, oh, it's our fault that yeah. we didn't prepare for this. But it's like, n- no, the way y'all set this up, like, yeah. screwed us over. And that's, you know, that's kind of the, that's the metaphor that the clowns killing these, these kids are, you know, in yeah. such, in such a graphic way. Of course, you know, like, kids today, you know, they're not being literally murdered, like, how they are or why in the book. But due to a lack of oversight and policies and scapegoating, et cetera, et cetera, every single parallel that this book draws between this fictional world and what's going on in the U.S. politically, like the older generation is killing the younger ones. (laughs) And and yeah, they're not outright like taking arrows and shit like that, like they do in this book, but it's like via financial debt, medical debt, um, access to a whole bunch of other things. They are literally, and that's not even figuratively that I'm talking about, killing the younger generation. Yeah. You know, um, you know, they may not be holding arrows or whatever to their head or chainsaws or whatever, but through those policies of them trying to hold on to power, hoard their wealth, mm-hmm. hoard on to their authority, um, they're killing the younger yeah. generation. And not only just the younger generation, period, but more specifically minorities and POC and Mm -hmm. and all those other, you know, marginalized identities get it more than anybody else. They're literally killing them through through policies and financial debt and like all of this stuff. I mean, just look at how the pandemic has been handled. Yeah. (laughs) We're dying here. And there's people, no, we're this whole year literally dying, you know, it's yeah. and they're they're giving themselves vacations over Christmas and making one hundred and thirty thousand dollars to give us six hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, there's microcosm and macrocosm. So while they may not be like going through a cornfield and clown outfits, they, uh, mm-hmm. not, they might as well be sometimes. But, but they are a bunch of clowns. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I mean, really. There, so. I, well, I mean, given the subject matter of the book, and no, and it it wasn't even subtle. Either, it's it's invited, the, yeah. Thanks, thanks, is, Adam. I mean, hello. They have straight up <laughs> logos in the town that say "Make Cuddle Springs Great Again." again. Yeah. Oh yes, killing off your youth. Who you know, the youth are literally the future. Yes, yes, that is going to fix everything. Yeah, because it's kids yeah. who can't even vote. They're yeah. the ones that are the ones that are destroying everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and yeah, you office. know, I say we are, but like the book invites it. Like it, it's right there. So yeah, um, right there. And it, and it came out this year, and we yeah, all know it twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. What a shit show twenty twenty has been. So they're like in pub- and he probably and he didn't write it in 2020 obviously no. so it's only gotten more relevant since the pandemic started so absolutely yeah. yeah would like would like to take this moment to personally address mitch mcconnell you need Ooh. to retire <laughs> just saying <laughs> i'd say retire to some place where you know he has a roommate 
Mars somewhere. <laughs> a roommate. That sounds like a good place to retire. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I'm not anyway. even dining to call that a person. But anyway, anyway, let's talk about the kids. Let's talk about the teenagers. Yes. The kids are them. all right. He's kind of talked around them. Uh, let's get to the in the last part of it. Let's get to the let's get to the kids. Let's get to Quinn yeah. and Janet, Cole, Tucker, Matt, Ronnie, Russ, Ginger, mm-hmm. um, and all them. Let's talk about them and their relationships. And I love Janet. Janet was great. I, Janet I was her. so great. And I mean, again, we were talking about like taking stereotypical slasher tropes and twisting them to make them more modern and more relevant. I felt like the character of Janet, like that was the one of the, or aside, aside from, from Quinn, that was one of the greatest examples. Cause she's, you know, the popular girl, et cetera, et cetera. And what you historically, you know, see in slashers is like the popular girl is the absolute bitch. And of course, you know, they're the ones that, that die first, but She just like she didn't she in, defied in, that into yeah. hero mode and she's just like no uh I am gonna do my best to save all of my friends, save I'm gonna save warn my them classmates. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like using her like she like you like she realizes her social status at the school and uses that to do good. Mm-hmm. Basically, so snaps for Janet, man. Yeah. Like, I absolutely loved that. Yeah, Janet was awesome. I liked her, yeah, um, an awful lot. Um, and she had the coldest death, personally. I felt, <laughs> and, um, you know, and and it was very like just talking about her notes with the kids and dying and and everything like that. It felt very much like how he set it up. You know, I saw some uh, critiques that were like, well, he jumps all these pews, but the thing is, is if it was set up like a slasher movie, you know, how like we get a viewpoint of the kills and then we go to somebody else, you know? So the book I think was set up very much like that, that, you know, we see the kill and then, you know, we move on to one of the other kids and and whatever and everything like that and see their last moments and stuff like that. I mean, that's the way slashers are, you know? I mean, you know, we get to see that, you know, there's always the one that we don't know, really but they die you know and that's their purpose and all that stuff and and everything so um so i appreciated that and and janet like i said yeah it twisted the you know popular girl who's the first to die which they um which they kind of um they didn't scream with drew barrymore's character casey a little bit Mm -hmm. in the beginning um you know but that she kind of twisted it with janet that she she was the popular girl she had the snarky attitude but she wasn't really a bitch um you know she called herself that um in the car when she was with cole and and quinn but she wasn't really you know at the heart yeah um, she really wasn't, and she did have her hero moment, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Tucker because he was the one that yeah. um, Tucker, who played Frendo, um, and then got killed not at the party, but got killed like in his house and just got outright slashed. You know, he could have been the kind of dumb jaw kind of stereotype, mm-hmm. but I think uh, Cesare kind of twisted it a little bit and made him like you know, with the kids and like being able to work with the kids and like, he loves yeah. Brendo and he loved doing the balloons with the, with the kids and all that stuff. So, you know, yeah, it could have been the normal, like, you know, yeah, he's the big, huge high school linebacker who's just like dumb and like hit yeah. stuff and blah, 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 you know, which we've seen, you know, forever. Um, but he didn't do that here. He, he really made it that, you know, they, and he was truly friends with Cole. And we get yeah. that when we're in his perspective, that they had each other's backs. They were truly friends. They weren't just there because of a click or anything like that. They were truly friends. And um, and that he did have that soft spot, you know, playing friendo for the kids and and whatever and wanting to yeah, do Yeah, he's just, he's just a good soul. Yeah. Like, Tucker, yeah, just an adorable guy. And I mean, like, like, like you just mentioned, when you think, of not only like high school kids in football but like kids who 
play the position of linebacker, especially kind of knowing what that position entails and what they do in foot football. It's one of the more quote unquote, like dumb positions, at least the way that it's been portrayed in various slashers in the past. But I loved that Cesare just made like Tucker wasn't his sport. He Mm -hmm. was a well-rounded three-dimensional person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, clowns definitely are not my thing. I never even liked them as kids. I don't want them around me or like twisting up balloon animals or whatever. But him, like, he's like, oh, this makes the kids happy. I want to pass on that joy. Like, just Mm -hmm. a good, solid dude, you know? You know, it's another little twist, you know, Janet and Tucker adding both were little twists on the typical stereotypes you kind of see. And then uh, let's talk about Matt and Ronnie. Mm-hmm. No, no, let's not talk about Matt and Ronnie yet. I want to say Matt and Ronnie for a minute. But let's <laughs> talk about Ginger because Ginger was kind of not in there as much. She was at the she was at the reservoir when Victoria died. Mm-hmm. She mentions that. And then she's there on Quinn's first day. Um, to kind of give her some info and stuff. And then she dies at the, at the party. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think kind of her purpose was that she was the, you know how in all those movies, uh, you know, in all the slasher movies that you not, you always have that like goth girl or like the outsider girl or like yeah. the witchy girl or the weird girl or whatever. That was Ginger. <laughs> I, think, I think that was Ginger's purpose in this. Um, and I don't know as if he twisted too much from that um, in this case. I mean, what did you think about her? I mean, she didn't get um, too much screen time, but I didn't really get that he twisted that too much because he was more focused on the others. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she died so early on, I mean, it makes Yeah, she was like the first she, one to die at the party. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she got way less time than than the others. So just yeah, because it was that, the mayor. Like, it was the mayor and then Tucker and then Ginger. Yeah, it just there wasn't enough time to really like delve into her character. But I mean, just the fact that she was very welcoming toward, um, you know, Quinn. Quinn and the same thing with with everybody else. It really gave this this sense of like, OK, like there is a portion of this town of this high school that is really trying their best to like be kind to people especially like new students go out of their way to make them feel welcome and kind of the way that she um was introduced in the prologue she's like that girl that the party doesn't really start until she's there you know type 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 girl yeah um so I mean like Janet she it's it seems like she understood her social status among her peers so it was I think a nice um de- departure from stereotypes to have like a high status you know socialite for mm-hmm. la- lack of a better term be the one to kind of like give Quinn the ins and outs on her first first day so yeah for sure for sure so now let's talk about Matt and Ronnie they're next and I'm saving my my favorite two for laughs that I've been waiting the whole hour to talk about but let's talk about Matt and Ronnie first Okay. Go for it. They they are your favorites. No, they're not. They're not. I'm I'm oh, okay. them and then we're gonna do my favorites. Yeah. Okay. So Matt and Ronnie. Oh god, my dicks. I mean, okay, okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? He really twisted it here because isn't there always that couple in those slasher movies that you kind of hate? Like they're snug yeah. and they're assholes. And like, they're always all over them, over each like, other. all over it's each blah, other, blah, blah. you yeah. know, and he even went so far as making her like, like Cole, like Ronnie kind of had a thing for Cole too, and whatever, mm-hmm. but she was dating Matt, you know, like, like, you know, and, and so there is that, you know, isn't there, and their whole purpose is to like die at some point later on, you know, and everything like that. And, but he twists it, right. 
And he actually makes Matt and Ronnie like a part of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, like Matt and Ronnie like a part of the whole because they want to be like on the right side of history, um, quote unquote. So, and then they do die. They kettle springs great again. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, Matt and Ronnie, um, you know, it was a twist on that couple you hate and that instead of just mm-hmm. dying, it turns out that they are like, part of the whole thing as well so that was a kind of interesting little little twist um as well I thought what did you think about yeah I got I got to that part and like oh you motherfuckers yeah (laughs) slam my kindle down down on my bed and I'm like oh man that was so good (laughs) that 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 twist yeah because I mean all like the biggest name slashers that I could think of that have come out since since the seventies, the teens aren't in on it. None right, the of only them one are. that kind of did that is Scream, a yeah. little bit. But even then, it wasn't like a big conspiracy thing. It was just Ski Ulrich and Matthew Lillard, like yeah, dickheads. But you know, um, so that's you know one I can think of where like the kids who are supposedly like part of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, were were actually the killers but this kind of like you know making it a conspiracy and they're actually like in on it and everything like that you know was really um was really was really interesting so I I enjoyed that I didn't like them anyway to be honest um I liked Tucker I liked Janet I liked yeah. Cole I liked Russ I liked Ginger those two you know I was like and eh, whatever they're like the the usual dickhead couple that you get in these yeah I mean with Matt and Ronnie yeah they're like, the ones that always sneak away in the movie to go have sex and then get trashed like that's yep. what that couple is that's who they represent you know in the yeah song. but Cesare made them fit perfectly into the world that he had built and their their characters again like fit into the whole political structure of what this book is doing it's you know either die or be on the wrong side of history just so you can live but how Mm -hmm. good is your quality of life going to be if you are also the ones that are like killing your peers too Mm -hmm. so it's very appropriate that we do not only just find them annoying because they're that couple but they're that couple whose purpose fits into the overall story rather than being there to die yeah twisted it a little bit like he kind of did with the other ones yeah okay now on to the very last thing that I've been waiting this whole hour to talk about. Now, now it's your favorite. Let's talk about Cole and Rust. Mm. Let's talk about them. So normally in these things, it's like, you know, the girl gets with the guy, et cetera, at the end. They're like survivors. Mm. If she's not the only final girl. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get that this time. Yeah, we got a couple final girls. <laughs> final boys. <laughs> final final boys. boys. Then the final yeah. boys. Yeah, because the only three that are alive at the end are Quinn, Cole, and Rust. Mm-hmm. And uh, you think Rust is dead. So we got that typical slasher of like, oh, you thought they were dead because he thought he got exploded in the silo. But then he shows up to save them all. Like, So he used that trope. But... The biggest thing was, you know, yeah. normally when you'd have like the girl and the guy like kissing, you know, Cole's the quarterback and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And that would normally be a thing. Oh, no. Cole and Rust have a thing. Yep. And they see each other and like, you know, it just like all comes out, whatever they hadn't said. And, and they start like kissing and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm here for this. That was not CPR. I, that was not CPR. <laughs> that was not CPR. <laughs> I was so I was so here for it. I was like, yes. And it was I was up. like, yay, gay kisses. <laughs> I was yes. like, it was amazing. I loved it. That was my favorite. Like out of all the stuff in the book, there were moments I liked mm-hmm. Janet's death, you know, the clowns coming out, all the gore and all of this stuff. But that 
was honestly my favorite moment in the book, like realizing, and, and I thought it was set up really well too. Like yeah. you got hints that they knew each other before and it hung out together and stuff like that. Like when they meet up at the party and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right. Because did you have that typical thing where maybe there's like in the slasher, there's like the jock jerk guy. And then there's some other more sweeter guy. And they have this kind of rivalry for like the main girl. And stuff yeah. like that. So they kind of had that moment when they were at the party and they were getting drinks and like Quinn was there and everything. Yeah. And like Cole and Russ and like when Russ shows up and everything. But then when you realize that ha- that scene has a whole different context because Quinn yeah. realizes they're not even paying attention to her. They're paying attention to the- each other. Yeah. Like they're- I was like, it was like, was like do it kiss the kiss, boy kiss, 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 kiss the boy kiss the boys <laughs> yeah i'm so excited for that i was like holy shit i was yeah. like that's the best i'm so in love with that i'm so and in love with I, that again in the greater context of the entire world yeah. i mean that adults would not have been happy with that there I oh, think. No. so that's just like the kind of final like double middle finger to the adults of this story. Yeah. And, and it was and so another of the, of the twists that we have mentioned before, kind of on the genre, another twist of making the mm-hmm. typical kind of quarterback jock that you see in these slashers gay or bi. Yeah. He could be bi. Let's not, let's not participate in bi erasure, but yeah. at the very <laughs> least has feelings with, for a guy and yeah. and whatever and like it's not treated as a big thing she's just like oh okay like quinn doesn't think anything of it it's just like oh right okay <laughs> like oh, they like each other okay cool yeah, yeah all right yeah and um yeah so i mean that thrilled me to know and when i read that i was like what but then it made sense because when you thought about their interactions and how they talked mm-hmm. about each other when quinn would be with either one in the book and everything you got those vibes and I actually got like that there's some kind of story there that we didn't get you know because they used to hang out they used to be close and they rode around together they'd known each other since they were babies Russ says at one point and then hung out together and stuff and now they don't so what happened? Was this a yeah. confession of feelings that somebody couldn't handle at the moment? Like what happened that they kind of separated, but then obviously this stressor like, just like brought them together, yeah. you know, to be together at the end, you know? So I kind of want to know that story. Maybe if Adam yeah. tweets about this, he can let us know a little bit about what that backstory is between uh, us. And- yeah. That, that, that would be awesome. Adam, like what, happened with cole and rust before this like were they scared or like did their parents catch them making out in their bedroom or something like Like, how did it happen but it was so brilliant like like they obviously had feelings for each other they had this complicated relationship that you kind of got glimpses of through the whole book with everything going on when they would run into each other or talk about each other and stuff like that and then until the finale when you know, Russ comes in and rescue him and like they just start mm-hmm. like kissing and shit. And, and then like later we cut to a little bit later um, in the epilogue and um, their boyfriends now they're together and Quinn's yeah. just hanging out with them and everything. And her dad's running for mayor, um, which oh, I thought was yeah. kind of an interesting thing. Cool. So how did you feel about the very last with Arthur on the plane? How did you feel about that? as a wrap-up like sequel i mean i kind of felt mm-hmm. like it was supposed to be like you know the hand coming up out of the grave or the you know the typical franchise like it's not quite over yeah you now leaving that open sort of thing i mean <laughs> i mean it's maybe adam can answer this too is there gonna be a sequel sequel <laughs> Let us have more of Rust and and Cole and Quinn. Like, yes, badass trio. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously a very classic slasher ending, regardless if there's like a sequel or not. Mm -hmm. But it's 
leaves the door open for more, I would just have, yeah, have to it's, wonder. It's reminiscent to me of um, the end of Nightmare on Elm Street where, you know, yeah. she's like, oh, everything's done. And she walks out of the house and gets into the car and, oh, shit, you know, Freddie comes out the door, grabs her, you know, and you're like, oh, crap. You know, it, it's done. reminiscent to me of those type of endings, you know. The- yeah. I mean, Friday the 13th were you see Jason, like the very first one where you see Jason for the first time come out of the water and mm-hmm. just pull the final girl down into yeah, the lake. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then that's it, you know. Um, I mean, it would be interesting to see, like, if there was some kind of sequel, what, what would that be? Just because this is so tight, again, current political climate it's so tied into that you know it feels that this chapter of their lives is mm-hmm. totally done and and over with mm-hmm. so but when when we think about the classic slashers they all keep coming back to the same place the same town where freddy krueger haunts their dreams uh camp camp crystal lake where jason Vor Voorhees, his reign reign of terror you know Haddonfield um, this, and michael Myers. yeah you know so there if there were to be a sequel I personally think it would be kind of cool to move away from this town and have something slasher-esque. And, you know, I'm just going to say it's all been about, yeah. I'm just going to say it. And and if Adam does this, I will, he doesn't have to give me credit or anything, but I'm just saying this right now. I wouldn't mind if Quinn gets offed. And we just have a couple final boys, you know, Cole and, and Russ just, being final boys together and kicking ass. I mean, we there are some final boys and in slashers. There are a couple that I would consider mm-hmm. uh, legit final boys, um, like Ash Williams in the yeah. Ed series. I would consider you know a final boy, um, you know, and a couple more, but they're not pervasive. Um, and so I I would definitely like to see some more some more of that. Uh, yeah. for sure if there happens to be a sequel um, for sure you know or just relegate Quinn to you know like a smaller part or something but you know I wouldn't mind I mean I like her I'm not saying I don't I just think yeah that, you know I I would love to see it lean into that that twist of you know we've got we've got final boys mm-hmm. and not just a final girl you know yeah but anyway I enjoyed it I thought I yeah. thought it was a fun as a fun read and I think we can safely say we recommend this book to yes. everybody. Yes. If you like slashers, yeah. read this and you will enjoy it. It's a, it's a fast, it's fast paced. It's, um, you know, it gets right in it and it's fast paced and, and you'll enjoy it. I think the whole yeah. way. So, um, definitely. So next time we are going to be doing, <laughs> what are we doing, Danny? What are we doing? Little hope. Which is, we did Man and Medan. Uh, this is from the same people who did um, Until Dawn, um, which Joanna and I, you've played it, right? Joanna, you played Until Dawn, didn't you? Oh, yeah. You played Lots it? of times. Yeah. And I've played Until Dawn. And, you know, we haven't done it on the podcast or talked about it. Maybe we will sometime. But these are from the same people who did Until Dawn. And we played Man and Medan. You can go back into our episodes and, and listen to us chat about how we killed each other and made choices and we've included audio from our playthrough <laughs> uh, bro that was me bro that was me bro <laughs> that was me bro um but the next in their dark the dark pictures anthology that they've been doing um is little hope um and it's from supermassive games and that's we're eager to to get on together again and and see what we can do and everything and man of Medan, we saved two yeah. of them didn't we 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 only got two of them through i think to the end when we played through man of Medan. yeah the two girls I, I, the yeah um yeah just the two girls survived because it was my fault that everybody else died so i don't think so i had as much did you did you kill one i i felt like i killed a lot of them off on accident and i kept saying oh Sorry, Danny. I killed another one. (laughs) 
Yeah, some of them were like, oh, we're going to have this dude get away from the boat, Conrad, who we hated. So we were like, let's get him away in the boat. And then we saw him die, and we were like, oh, I guess that wasn't the right choice. <laughs> but we didn't care because it was Conrad. So. We, yeah, we were like, oh, well. <laughs> so we will see what characters we hate and like in Little Hope and, Little Hope and how many we can get through. <laughs> Who yeah. lives? Who dies? I'm excited. It looks like some some uh, settler pilgrim witch theme kind of some thing going on. Excellent, delicious psych- psychological. I'm excited. Shit. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, you will have that next time. And uh, let us know. Tweet at us at at the box underscore podcast. Let us know what you think. Have you read this book? Have you, did you enjoy it? What others would you recommend? Um, You know, what do you want to see us do in the future? Let us know, chat with us, send us memes. We love horror memes, we do. So send us horror memes, send us all that stuff. We love all that stuff. So chat us up. Um, You can listen to us, of course, on whatever platform you're listening to us now, but you can also listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean itself if you want to switch it up a little bit. So next time we will see you in Little Hope. Re, re.